0: Today's episode of Clip City is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to another episode of the Clip City podcast. I am your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Everybody's favorite follow on Clippers Twitter at L.A. Clippers Film, aka Justin Wilson. Justin, how you doing?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good, man.
0: Just trying to stay safe, you know. Hope everybody is staying safe out there
1: and practicing social distancing. But yeah, I'm just trying to stay safe and trying to make it through this no NBA life like the rest of us.
0: It's tough. I'm I'm really at the withdrawal stage of of missing the NBA, uh, and especially because we don't you know, at this point, we don't know if it's coming back. It it is trending negatively. uh, As ESPN's Brian Windhorst said the other day, there's a lot of pessimism around the league right now uh, with regard to the season returning. But I'm still like, you know, if it doesn't come back, do we even have basketball in October? Because I do feel like that even might be a stretch, potentially, depending on how this whole situation goes. So it's like, We could be potentially looking at a November, December situation of basketball returning, which would just be obviously unprecedented, but it would just really suck. (laughs) Like That would be (laughs) terrible for us um, just to have to wait like another, you know, six, seven, eight months. And like even and
1: even if and when that time comes, like how the whole dynamic of going to a basketball game is going to radically change, you know? What happens if you, you're sitting in section 218 in Staples center and someone next to you coughs or sneeze, you know what I mean? Like how, how's that? How are you going to, who just a lot of unanswered questions right now. And I mean, I'm not, I'm no health aficionado or anything like that, but it does not seem like sports, let alone the NBA is coming back anytime soon. And it's just, there's just too many logistics to have to get squared away for that to happen, but you know I'm an eternal optimist and I'm hoping for the best. But it's not looking good right now. I'm gonna have to continue to tootsie slide my way through this no NBA. <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? That song is a banger. Um, it, it is a TikTok song, but it is a banger. Uh, I mean,
1: just I mean, like yeah, I agree, man. I agree, man. I see some people slandering it, but like you know, he it's. It's Jersey Drake, man, even in even with the the dance craze that's in it. He's got the bars in it. So, yeah, I'm a fan of that right here.
0: Yeah, it, to, to me, it's kind of like I put it in that one dance type of, of category where it's like, for me, it's not going to be one of the first songs that I think of when I think of Drake, but it is, you know, sometimes he kind of has to put the pop record out to to just, you know pay the bills you know <laughs> like he, that, i mean that that's the song that's going to be on the billboard um you know charts for you know top 10 for the next like 30 weeks or whatever and that, that's going to be the banger everyone's playing so i, I think you know he, he does have to put those types of songs out sometimes and um yeah no i, I think it's a good song but I, I will also say to quickly get back to the season before we get into what we're going to be talking about um i'm of the belief and, you know, th- this might be a little bit radical, but I'm kind of of the belief you can't just end this season. Um, I-, I do think, of course, like, depending on how this all plays out, there maybe is some type of cutoff. But I'm still kind of of the belief of, like, I just wouldn't like a canceled season. And even if it meant, like, restarting this season in, like, November, December, like, I almost... Personally, would rather the league like look at the next two seasons, and, and I, I guess including this season, you know, the next two and a half seasons, and maybe like completely restructure it, where you're you're looking at okay, we've decided we need like a two two and a half month window to finish out this season. You know, maybe we condense the first round, second round, uh, give a few regular season games, give like a one week training camp, and you know so so maybe we have a 3 week lead up into the playoffs then the playoffs are kind of condensed from their usual 2 months to like a month and a half a month and 3 weeks and so even if that comes in like November let's just say like worst case scenario um you know basketball can't be back to like November and you play November December finishing out the season it still is 2020 so it's not like you've gone into 2021 yet and then you start the season the the 2020 2021 season would technically be started in 2021 sometime in i don't know february uh, maybe even march and and yes that would push back obviously next season and then it would subsequently push back the season after but i just don't think you can have a season without a champion and i you know i i don't i'm not saying you know i've seen some people float out like just give the championship to the bucks cuz they had the best record or whatever it's like no, I, I don't think insane. that either, but you, you can't do that. I, I would prefer a canceled season over that, but I, I just, it doesn't sit right with me to not have a champion. And and this was such a good season. You know, you really did have, for the first time, it felt like so many, you know, we usually know that the, the finals matchup had, you know, it, it felt like that for the last most of the decade. We kind of knew it was always like, okay, it was Le- LeBron in the Heat, LeBron in the Cavs. Um and you know Steph and the Warriors, there was that kind of early stretch in the West where you weren't really sure it was the Lakers, it was the Mavericks, it was the Thunder, it was the Spurs, like they're kind of bouncing around. Um, but it's it's felt like there there has been a lot of dominance this past decade, and you've kind of been able to pencil in uh the the finals teams or at least two of the three, and it was kind of trending that way where I, I felt the you know the Clippers and the Lakers and the Bucks were were at a different level than the rest of the league but you know look if houston got hot you know houston could have made the finals i i would i would have been kind of surprised but like houston was capable of that and they did match up actually pretty well with the lakers and like who knows maybe you know maybe the bracket breaks right for them um you know utah we know at, at their peak could you know there's a very good version of utah um denver wasn't as sold on but like in the east you, you had toronto you had philly you had boston like i think all three of those teams could push milwaukee in a series so there was still a lot of uncertainty even for how dominant some of the teams had been up to that point and i just think to have no resolution to that uh would be really unfortunate even if it meant pushing back and or condensing the next two seasons because to me at the end of the day like You know, championships are are what we are always playing for in the NBA. Like that's, that's, you know, that's the prize at the end of the season. And to just not have one for this year, I I think that would be really something we would look back on in like, you know, 10, 15, 20, 50 years, whatever. And just be like, it's unfortunate we didn't have a champion. I know these are crazy circumstances, but it is legacy, and it matters. And, and you know, it matters for Kawhi and PG. It yeah. matters for Giannis. It matters for LeBron and AD. Like, it matters for all these guys. So I, I think it would – the league should exhaust every option possible to ensure they can resume at some point this year, if possible, of course, and, and have a champion because I, I think skip – you know, if it gets to July and, and the league can't return and they just say, all right, we have to cancel it, like, that to me would be a mistake.
1: I agree. I agree in that if they do have to go all the way to November to make it happen, that's better than just full fledged canceling the season. I mean, I'm I'm one of those guys. I hate cliffhangers anyway, so I would at least get some sort of satisfaction in crowning a champion. But um, I'm not. I don't know if the NBA is willing to go that far. I saw I saw Wolves talking about the deadline of Labor Day or or something like that. Um, So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that what you said about it going potentially all the way down to November and October is a very real possibility, but if that's how it's got to be, then I'm in total agreement with that.
0: Yeah. So today's episode, um, I, I reached out to you and I said, let's do our top 10 Clipper moments of the season. And a second category, kind of special edition, was Kawhi's top five moments of the season. Um, I, I think there's going to be some overlap here. Oh I, yeah, I actually think uh, f- oh, for me, it's it's three of Kawhi's moments overlap with three of the of the ten moments I picked. But let's start in. Let's start with the top ten moments of the season. We'll go from ten to one. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the honorable mentions first. Um, but we, we can kind of go back and forth and, and see what overlap we have and, and just talk about some of these moments, um, right. probably more focusing on like the, the the top ones. So for me, honorable mentions for top 10 moments of the season. You had the road win in Miami, uh, the blowout of Dallas in Dallas back in November. Uh, You had the Golden State blowout at the beginning of the season. Uh Uh, That was actually the second game of the season uh, where it kind of felt like the Clippers had exercised some demons in that game. You know, came into Chase Center. The Chase Center opening just smacked the Warriors. You know, Steph was still playing. Draymond was still playing. And they got destroyed by like 40 points. Um, And then beating Utah at the beginning of the season in the second time they played Utah when Kawhi was back without uh, that was Paul no George. PG, yeah, no, no Paul George. So those were uh, my four honorable mentions. uh what, what what were your honorable mentions? So we overlapped on one, which
1: was the road win against Golden State to start the year. I, I was, I was one after what we saw against Golden State the last five years. It was good to like win on the road in their new arena and win in that fashion, especially even without Paul George. So. That was one um, PG's first home game. I thought I got an honorable mention for that, just because of the significance of it. Um, I got Doc Rivers tying Red back for all time and wins, just because I'm a I'm a huge fan of Doc as a coach, and from everything I've read and gathered, he seems like an even better person. So I was I was happy about that. And my last one was Zubak's play in general. Zoo's, Zoo is like <laughs> one of my top three favorite Clippers this year, and I feel like nationally people don't understand how good he was for the Clippers this year. So I, I threw that in as an honorable mention because he's one of the best rim protectors in the league he's gotten in tremendous shape he's one of the best rim runners in the league Um, he has fantastic hands and he developed some really great chemistry with Kawhi this year and he was one of the reasons why I felt the Clippers had a real chance at winning a chip so that those were my honorable
0: mentions that I came up with and to piggyback off of that not only is Zoo one of the best rim protectors in the league And again, he does not get the respect or or the credit or or recognition that he deserves on that end. Um, He's one of the best screeners, if not the best screener in the league. Uh, This is kind of spoiling a piece I've coming out next week. But I I look at several categories that some of the Clipper role players have been sneakily thriving in. And I think anyone who watches the Clippers consistently uh, who pays attention to these types of things. Know zoo is such a good screener, but when you actually look at the numbers, uh, he leads the league in points per 36 minutes off of screens, um, you know, like for, for his teammates. And uh, he is, I think second in screen assists. Uh, so so he, he's first in screen assist points and, and second in screen assists, like total per 36 minutes. Um, be, behind Rudy Gobert. So, it, you know, pretty much a, a lot of these categories, The re, I mean, and then he's also one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. So really, you know, he, he and Rudy Gobert is right up there too. So like anytime you're uh, in the conversation with Rudy Gobert for, you know, best rim protector, best screener, best offensive rebounder, you're in great company. Rudy Gobert obviously is an all-star, you know, top 25 player. Um, he, he's not at that level, of course, but I, I do think that Zoo is much better than people think. Um, you know, I think if most people were ranking the Clippers in, in terms of how good they are, almost like a 2K rating or something, you know, he's going to be seventh, eighth, ninth on the team oh, uh, oh. For, for most people. I, I think he's pretty close to third, uh, if not potentially third on the team. I mean, obviously, Kawhi and PG are clearly number one and two, but once you get to that kind of pat lou trez zoo marcus morris like i think you can make a case zoo is the best of that group now a, a lot of his stuff is in low you know sh- shorter spans of time and some guys if you stretch them consistently you know if he was playing 28 30 minutes a night who knows what his efficiency would look like you know th- there probably would be some level of decrease some of these numbers might look a little bit worse but you know we can only judge what we see and, and you know the actual sample size we have and in what he does, he is so efficient. Um, You know, the team is better across the board with him, especially defensively and on the glass, which is really important for this team uh, as a team that, you know, tends to go smaller at times. So I I do think that, you know, I I stuck pretty much to games and and not as much um, kind of storylines, but zoo storyline, I think is a very important one for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, you capped it off really
1: good when it when it when it comes to zoo. I the Clippers only have one seven footer on the team. So that kind of exacerbates how important he is. And the reason why the Clippers are second in the West has a lot to do with zoo So I just wanted to make sure I got my boy Zoopac some uh some love on here.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's start with your number ten moment. What was it? My number ten moment was Kawhi
1: and PG both going over forty in Minnesota earlier this year. In Minnesota, I thought that um, that game kind of signified how dynamo they could be together, and mm-hmm. it was just the epitome of two wings scoring from all three levels, making make playmaking, getting to the free throw line. It was. It was a masterpiece and we were kind of headed towards that Christmas day and it was a nationally televised game on ESPN. And that was the that was honestly one of the first times where you saw it like, oh, shit, this is what could be if everything works right. So that was like I I had to throw that on there. What about so you? That, what, that actually
0: that that made my list, too, actually, it was a little bit higher um, only, only because I felt the context of that game was really important. No Lou Williams, no mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly. So that's a game Terrence Mann started um, and, and threw up a donut with, with zero points in, in eighteen huh. minutes. Uh, but but also Trez got in foul trouble uh, against Carl Anthony Towns uh, because you know the Timberwolves had that huge second half run. Um, where where you know the Clippers had taken a double digit lead that the Timberwolves I think it was almost around twenty points and the Timberwolves rallied and then that's when Kawhi and PG really got going but I agree with you like that to me was clearly the, the pinnacle of these two together you know eighty eight combined points PG had forty six Kawhi had forty two and they did it relatively efficiently like you know right. Kawhi was ten to twenty four but he was nineteen and nineteen from the free throw line PG was seventeen to thirty one. Uh, six or seven from the free throw line. So, like, this was kind of to me almost like it, it wasn't the best replica of, of what playoff basketball would be like, just because there was no Pat and Lou, and, and we know how important those guys are and, and how much they could play. Also, no Landry, by the way. Um, so that you know, Derek Walton Jr. played thirty minutes off the bench. That was like the beginning of him playing a lot. Pat Patterson played nineteen minutes. Like, this was a very depleted Clippers team. Well, rough times. And, and yeah, for for as bad as um, Minnesota is at that time they they were uh 10 and 14 heading into the game so they were just under 500 they, they were still in the playoff mix uh that you know Towns dropped 39 Wiggins had 34 Robert Covington was healthy in that game um you know Jeff Teague was still on the team so like they had more weapons than they did later in the season when they saw the clippers uh and, and had that crazy you know 21 point uh three pointer game or a 21 oh, three pointer game but but yeah, so I, I just felt that this kind of showed the – the this was like what you envision when you're putting Kawhi and PG together is like if it comes down to this and you have a game where you need those two to just go off and go supernova, this was that game. This was that version of that. So I thought that was really impressive. Uh, my number 10 moment was the Clippers win in Indiana, actually on the same trip uh, without Kawhi Leonard. And that was the game that Paul George went off for 36. Uh, You know, he he torched the Pacers. They were booing him. He'd already been back a few times, and they they were still booing him. Uh, But I I thought that game was an important win for this team because they had been struggling to find an identity without Kawhi Leonard. And this was a game they played a lot of zone. um, And... You know, I they kind of use that to to muck up the Pacers' offense and to kind of slow them down. Uh, Trez had a big game off the bench with 26 uh, and three blocks. So I I just thought this was an important moment early in the season to kind of show that this team, you know, while they are very heavily reliant on Kawhi, it kind of was a was a sign that they could win without Kawhi. You know, Indy was really good they were nine and two at home heading into this game uh, they still are a good team you know a playoff team and just kind of a scrappy team that on you know any re- you know given regular season night is a hard team to beat and, and you know being depleted not having Kawhi, um you know also not having Landry who this is when Landry was out for that long stretch like I, I think that was an impressive win to me so I definitely had
1: that on my list. I had it tied. I cheated. I had I had it tied for number eight. But okay, uh, that was a that was so we overlapped a little bit there. But like there was an impressive shooting display, and you know I love those games where you go back to like the team that drafts you. And and one of the things I remember about that game, I was actually watching that game earlier this week. And they were booing him pretty heavily initially, but the booing stopped as the game progressed because he was just killing them from, from beyond the arc. And that kind of – his entire game was on full display. And as a PG fan, that was, like, great to see. I had it at eight, though. Okay. What what did you have at nine? At nine? I had – and this is – this may seem a little low, I'll, I'll admit, but Kawhi's return to Toronto – I okay. Wow. I,
0: I, I had that at yeah. number five. So to it, yeah. explain.
1: So I have, I, I mean, it, it could have went a little higher. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even going to BS here. It could have went higher. Um, a lot of these kind of are interchangeable for me, but I just, for one, I love the fact that the Clippers got a quality road win against a finals contender. And that was the season sweep of the Raptors. And you know, Kawhi got his, Kawhi got his ring and that was one of the best performances of the year. I mean, when you, whenever you beat a title contender, the defending champs by like twenty, uh, that's nothing to, um, that's nothing to sneeze at. And Kawhi, th- this is kind of anal of me, but that Kawhi had some of the best passes that he had made all year, and that kind of that game kind of showed me a lot of growth in his ability as a playmaker. And he hit zoo right on the money for a few passes that were just like amazing to me. And, and plus the Raptors court was like, was like amazing. So I, I love the way it looked on TV. Um, But yeah, I had that, I had that at, I had that at eight, but it could have been a few spots higher. I will not lie. But yeah, I think he had like 24 or 25 that night, that night it's not in front of me, but yeah, that was, that
0: was, It was eight. So he, he had tw- yeah, he had 23 points, five rebounds, six assists, two steals. And now I, I'm probably have a little bit of a different perspective because I was at the game and it was, I would say it was probably the loudest game I've been to this season. Um, and, and I've oh. been to, you know, I, I had been to every game outside of, I think, I think I'd missed four of them and it was like at Minnesota, at Chicago, uh, at Memphis and at San Antonio the first time th- that Thanksgiving game. Um, so I, I know that game was pretty crazy w- with the booing Kawhi and stuff, but uh, I just thought this this atmosphere was insane. Like the Raptors fans were almost standing up the entire game. You had the emotional uh, video tributes. You, you had everyone getting a video tribute except Pat Patterson, which I thought was hilarious. Like they gave <laughs> Lou a video tribute. They gave – fee a video tribute and he didn't even play for Toronto (laughs) (laughs) but like that that crowd was was dying for the Raptors to win that game and and I thought it was just kind of a it was important for me because I I felt it was kind of the validation of like this is why Kawhi picked the Clippers um you know Siakam had had 24 OG had 13 everyone uh Norm Powell had 22 but like you just kind of saw like One side was Kawhi and and PG and Lou and Trez doing their thing off the bench. And, um, you know, Mo Harkless had a pretty good game. Uh, This was a game pack uninjured. um, I remember that. He didn't come back in the second half. Yeah. 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 So to me, and and this is more maybe one that like should have, you know, I'm obviously going to, you know, spoiler alert. It made Kawhi's top five moments. You know, I thought it was important for Kawhi. Um, but I I, I just felt this was was an, and like to, to your point, I I thought you said it right at the beginning perfectly. Like this was an impressive win against a really good Raptors team. You know, they're 16 and seven heading into the game. Uh, they were, you know, a lot of the storyline was like, damn, this team's really good. You know, they haven't missed a beat since Kawhi left and, and Siakam stepped up as an MVP candidate and he was getting a lot of MVP buzz and, um, you know, he was getting a lot of, uh, just you know, all NBA first team buzz and all this stuff. And it was just like, okay, well, the Clippers just came in and smacked them and the Clippers had been struggling on the road. they were five and six on the road heading into this game. So on paper, you would have maybe favored the Raptors. Uh, So I, I just thought kind of mixing all of the emotions and, and the intensity of the crowd and all that stuff into it for them to come out and just deflate the Raptors like that. I thought that was really impressive. Uh, So what, what did you have at number seven at number seven? I had, I'm
1: pretty sure we're going to overlap on this one. It was the comeback victory versus Houston at home.
0: I actually did not have that. So that's good. No. Okay. Um, I, that was a really good. I, I I struggled with that. I probably should have had that in my honorable mention, or maybe put it on. I, I have a different Houston one on here. Spoiler me too, alert, but I do too. I do too. <laughs> go, um, go ahead. Well, for one, Kawhi game winner
1: kind of. Um, they kind of yeah. had to. They had. They kind of had PJ. To dig, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they kind of had to dig deep. They. I don't. I don't recall exactly, but I think they were down by like. 10 or so with like five, six minutes left. It really looked like that was just a game that was going to be like, it was, it was done for. But what you saw was that the Clippers can dig deep and they can win a really tough game against a really good quality level opponent. And I'm a suck. I'm a sucker for those. When you can kind of replicate to a degree playoff circumstance, when you need to get stops, when you need to make shots and, you know, PG hit a insane shot in the corner to put the Clippers back into the game. And, you know, Lou Williams hit a hit a huge shot there down the stretch of that game. So I mean that was that was one of my favorite games of the year. So that's I kinda had to like show it some love just because we were able to come through against a really tough playoff team. And if I'm not mistaken, the first time we played Houston that was the second time we played Houston, correct?
0: Uh yeah that yeah they had played them uh, in the, the game in Houston w- without PG and they they lost yeah. that was and, the game Doc got ejected
1: yeah and Harden had like fifty and so Harden yeah, he, had he fifty them. and then you know in the second in the second half he was kind of, he was kind of trying to put the game away he had that crazy four point play over both PG and Patrick Beverly. And so, yeah, I was I was really ecstatic that we got that win. Anytime we get wins against contenders, I'm, I'm kind of like, that's kind of like where this list kind of is headed. But, yeah, I had that as at number seven
0: for sure. What was your number seven? So I actually skipped now that I um, – so my, my, my 10 was the win in Indiana without mm-hmm. Kawhi. My nine, we, we skipped two of mine because uh, my seven was Kawhi and PG in Minnesota. Uh, My nine was the 25-point blowout in San Antonio before Christmas. Um, So you had that trip where they went to San Antonio and OKC, um, and and then they went and played the Lakers on Christmas. Uh, but, But that San Antonio game, that to me was a, you know, that was kind of around the time where the Clippers were struggling a bit defensively. I want to say their defensive rating was around like 10, 11 at that point. And there had been some backlash on, you know, what's going on with the defense and, um, you know, th- th- there's some, that that was kind of around the time when some of the talk of the underachievement had started and, and what's going on with this team. Why aren't they as good as most people thought they were going to be? And, um, that blowout in San Antonio was one of their best defensive efforts Um, you know, they had that stretch in that third quarter where they must've got like five or six steals. Yeah, I remember this. they had like 15 fast break points. They had, they had like a stretch where they had like five dunks uh, in a row, you know, possession after possession after possession. It was just like, you you just saw the athleticism Uh, zoo and and Mo were huge in that game. Um, Just, you know, playing the passing lanes and being big and being athletic and, and dunking and and just really imposing their will physically on San Antonio and San Antonio, of course, isn't what they used to be. They're not even the San Antonio of the past couple of years, but you know, that was a team that had beaten the Clippers earlier in the season and had the game in LA, uh, which was a very close game that came down to the wire that Kawhi kind of had to bail out the Clippers. So San Antonio, for whatever reason, is always a tough matchup for the Clippers, especially in San Antonio. And, I just thought for the Clippers to come in and smack them, and and really embarrass them, and, and get boos from the crowd, and um, just just really have that physical dominance defensively that we hadn't always seen from them. Uh, that was like kind of kind of similar to, like to me, some of these moments are like sort of the the hallmark milestones for me of just kind of proving certain things and and just like that minnesota game was a game where it proved like hey when it comes down to it Kawhi and pg can put this team on their back and really just go crazy together and, and you know drop 88 points um or, or this team could go into a tough environment like indiana and win a game without Kawhi. like this was another one of those moments where i was like okay they just got embarrassed last time they're in san antonio they've struggled on the road they've been struggling defensively And they came in and just laid the SmackDown. And that to me was a very impressive win that I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle of a season. But just it was as impressive as they had been physically and athletically to me all year. Nah, I
1: mean, any road win in the NBA, I think, is kind of underrated. I've said that on Twitter like quite a few times. But whenever you go into an environment like that, and especially when Kawhi being, you know, a former Spur and you, and you drub them like that, it's kind of, it's kind of a way to prove like, Hey, prove to the doubters that you're still who they thought you were supposed to be. And yeah, I'm with you. That theme is kind of apparent because for some reason, up until the, the recent last nine games of the season, a lot of, there was a lot of pessimism surrounding the Clippers. So anytime, any time any moment this year where they had a chance to um to kind of dispel some notions of pessimism I was I was all with it
0: so and then my my number 7 or my number 8 which we had also skipped over as uh, is terrible podcasting here um, <laughs> PG's game winner versus OKC uh, and that was a critical moment for me because so that was his Third we game, we overlapped back. on there by the way. Okay, so yeah, that, that was his third game back. Uh, OKC was playing really well, Shea had had started the season off well, and, and there that was when the chatter had kind of started a little bit of like, did the Clippers give up too much to get Paul George, and, and are they gonna regret this trade? And, um, you know, some of that, and uh, you know, so Kawhi was out that game, which was partially, you know, it was the game before they both made their debut together. Uh, against Boston and the Clippers were down for, for a lot of that game and, and did not play that well. And, um, you know, I, I just thought it, it was nice to have PG again, so some of the themes of, of silencing the doubters, silencing the critics, like for him to, you know, I, I think he, I, I'm going to check quickly. I, I don't think he shot the ball that well this game. Um, I, I think he did kind of struggle, but he, he did come through with the game winning shot. And, yeah, oh, he he was seven to fourteen, but he he only had eighteen points. It was a little bit of a quiet night for him. Uh, he he was second on the team in scoring behind Trez, who had twenty eight. Uh, but yeah, I, I just felt you know, it was, it was an important moment for him. You know, there's been that kind of playoff P narrative with, with Paul George of he's not that clutch, he doesn't come up big in big moments, and um, I just thought for him to do that against OKC with some of that narrative starting to build a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he outplayed Gallo, he outplayed Shay. Uh, and I I just thought it it was a nice moment. Um, and, and of course, you know, game winner gets you some extra points. So that, that was my number eight. That was your number eight. What number are we on? So you, you, now we're we're through seven. So so now we're on number six, Uh, number six.
1: So for me, Number 6 was the I don't know if this is going to be on your list, but it was the comeback victory against the Celtics at home.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that that actually was my number 3. Uh right. so that that was Kawhi and PG's debut together. Yeah. Well, I'm in
1: that that, that definitely should be higher now that I think about it. But that was that was one of my favorite games of the year, just because it start. It was it started off kind of rough with both teams not really shooting well. Um, you saw you saw, but towards the end of the game, you kind of saw the makings of what the Clippers could be. Um, they held Mark. They held Jalen Brown, the three of fourteen shooting. Um, they swarmed Kimball Walker, who had who was four of seventeen shooting. Um, Wow, Marcus Smart took twenty shots this game and was one of eleven on threes in forty minutes. I didn't even I didn't even know that. I'm looking at it now. That's kind of wild. Um, you kind of saw Jason Tatum um, get. A, you got a peek into what Jason Tatum ended up being towards the end of the year. He was fantastic that game. He ended up dropping PG towards the end of that one. Um, but the signature moment towards the end of that game, which is kind of close to close to my heart, is how they ended the game. Um, PG and Kawhi were on the floor, and at the same time, they ran Lou Trez pick and roll. Um, they jumped Lou. Trez gets it out of short roll and goes opposite corner and finds um, Patrick Beverly for the three. And it was kind of like, yeah, we have Kawhi and PG. We have, the new, we have this new championship expectations, but the holdovers from last season's team are still good enough to contribute and make big plays. And it was kind of good to see the closing lineup in action against a finals contender come through like that. So, like, that was one of my favorite games to watch just in general. And it was just great to get a win against another quality opponent.
0: To me, the the two best games of the season that the Clippers played in were the two Boston games. Um, you know, I, I thought that Boston game was their best win in, in terms of not not most impressive, of course, you know, Lakers and, and maybe a couple other ones we'll get into in a, in a second. But I just thought like overall how that game went, you know, it went to overtime. Uh, they were down by a lot. It was a quality opponent that matches up maybe as well against the Clippers as any team does, you know, just in terms of their wing and perimeter depth and, and athleticism and, um, you know, Tatum and Brown, and, and Smart can match up pretty well against Kawhi and PG, at, at least from a defensive standpoint. Uh, and then we obviously saw in Boston Tatum really kind of his coming out party, it almost felt like, in, in that game against the Clippers and, and really taking his game to another level. And since then, he's been absolutely rolling. Um, so I, I think just if you were ranking like how like the quality of a game – both of those games for me were like a nine point five. Like they, they, you know, that second game obviously went to double overtime, um, and Clippers lost. So of course, from a Clippers perspective, it you don't love that. But that was just a great game. So many big shots, uh, and yeah. So I, I think for me, uh, it, it was impressive because it, it did feel like Boston was hitting every shot in that game. And they had that uh, third quarter stretch where Tatum just went crazy, and it, it did feel like they were finally kind of pulling away. Clippers are down ten with a, I think you know five five and a half minutes left, and it, it just felt like okay, you know it's the first game of, of Kawhi and PG together. They're kind of ironing out some of the wrinkles here, uh, but they they rallied down the stretch and you know went to overtime and, and Pat had the big three, and uh, it, it just. Was like okay, like this is this is what we've been waiting for, like this is what everyone's been waiting for since July. We're finally seeing this now, and it was as impressive as advertised. So that to me was my number three moment, Um, and yeah. So my number six was actually very recent. It was the Clippers crushing the Nuggets at Staples, uh, (laughs) you know, just a few weeks ago, and that that one was big for me because. I, I, you know, the Clippers have really struggled in Denver, which is why I, I was really looking forward to the game they're about to have in Denver. Um, you know, Denver's always a, a tough place to play because the altitude, and uh, obviously they've been a really good team the past couple of years, and um, you know, so it kind of makes sense. But the Clippers really, ha- you know, they've had three straight double-digit losses over the past two years in Denver. You know, have, have trailed in, in twenty-plus points in all three games. I mean, and- the one,
1: I not to cut you off, but to just reiterate your point. I think the one win in Denver that we had recently was because we, we used Boban. you remember that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, that, yeah was like, that was like 17, 18 season. Yeah. 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 I want to say. So like, um, yeah. So no, I mean, it, it, it's like they've struggled so much against Denver and it kind of looked like the way that the bracket was breaking. They were going to have to go through Denver in the second round. Most likely, uh, of course, as as things currently stand, Denver's going to play Houston, and I think that's going to be a, probably a seven, you know, six or seven game series. I could easily see Houston winning that series, so there's no guarantee the Clippers will play Denver in the second round. But you know, they're fighting them for the two seed. That was kind of one of the games that put the Clippers ahead of Denver, um, and, and they they destroyed them to the the extent. Like this is why this is up here for me. Denver held a team meeting after the game. And Will Barton like called out guys and was saying we can't be soft. Teams think we're soft. They, they think they can walk all over us. Like anytime you cause a team to have a team meeting after a game, especially a team as good as Denver, like that, that counts for something in my book. So they smack Denver to the point where I'm like, crap, like this this might be a five game series if they play Denver. Like I, you know, like I, I these two teams are not on the same level at all. Like they they just push Denver around, um, you know, pretty pretty much. Anyone other, other than Jokic, no one can really do anything. And it was just like, I, I just, these two teams are not on the same tier. Uh, so to me, that was an important game. It, it did kind of coincide with this stretch. The Clippers were on where they won seven of eight were playing their best basketball of the season. Uh, but to me, that game kind of mattered because of the, the, the race for the two seed, how Denver had, had played against them in the past couple of years and just The fact that they had a team meeting after the game and, you know, by all accounts was one of the shortest media availabilities of the season, you know, Denver, I think like two or three players talked and that was it. And and they were out of there. Uh, No one wanted to talk to the media. So it it was just an all around, you know, beat down by the Clippers. You know that I had, I had that as number two. That's how, that's how strongly I,
1: yeah, that's how strongly I felt about that. Um, just because, you know, you're, you're winding down, you're, you're coming towards the home stretch of the season. Um, the Clippers were like to just give some context. The Clippers were about to enter a stretch where they were about to play a ton of playoff teams. Um, it was Friday night ESPN. This is a team that you are fighting for the two seed. And if you are serious about the two seed, this is, this is a game that you have to play. You have to at least play well. And for them to completely destroy the Denver Nuggets in the manner that they did to me spoke volumes about how much distance there is between them and the rest of the conference other than obviously the Lakers. So like, I was very, very high on on that game. And I was like top three favorite wins of the season.
0: Okay, so let's get into your number five. My number five was the Kawhi win uh, against the Raptors. Uh, so we'll, we'll skip to my number four after, but what what was your number five?
1: We already, we already, you,
0: you already mentioned it. Um, PG's game
1: winner versus Oklahoma okay, City.
0: Okay. So yeah. let's get to number, what's your number four?
1: Um, my number four was Kawhi's first home game and opening night victory against the Lakers, bro.
0: Um, okay. I, that, that, yeah. that was my number two. So uh, let's get into it. Why, why was that your number four? Um, I just felt like, I mean, if you were, if you were
1: around Los Angeles, but you didn't really need to be around Los Angeles to feel the anticipation heading into opening night, um, I, Laker fans can act like they didn't care about opening night game, uh, the opening night banner jokes. Um, they can act like they didn't care, but that was a that was a very important game. You know, the start of a new era. Hawaii's home debut, um, national TV, TNT. And you got to think those are our Pacific Division rivals, and every game against them is going to matter as far as standings is concerned. And so to beat them without Paul George when LeBron and Anthony Davis played kind of spoke volumes to how good they could potentially be once Paul George was back. And I wasn't at that game, um, but – the atmosphere just from T from the from TV looked insane. So for I mean, I could go on and on about that one, but like just to anytime you beat the Lakers is a it's a good one. And to beat it in that context without Paul George, Kawhi's first first game, it, it was great for me. I love that one. I could have yeah, probably no, I, I could have probably made it higher too, by the way.
0: So I, I don't really want to spoil my number one, but I'm going to kind of hear like to me this season. I mean, there's the obvious component of like, you want, you want to win the championship. Like that's again, like to circle back to our initial conversation, like that's what this all is about, but there's been this kind of inevitability of the two LA teams. You're going to have to go through each other at some point. Um, You know, the Lakers and Clippers have never played each other in the playoffs. It felt like this was finally going to be the the year. You had all the storylines with, um, you know, the, the arena stuff and LeBron versus Kawhi kind of always having this, this rivalry and, you know, Kawhi and PG, you know, being linked to the Lakers in the past. And, um, you know, even LeBron being linked to the Clippers in the past a little bit, you know, he, he had talked to them in 2010 so, um, yeah. during the whole decision thing. You know, they were one of the teams on his shortlist. Uh, and there was some speculation of, um, you know, the Clippers made Anthony Davis's shortlist of, of when he was forcing his way out of New Orleans. We kind of all knew he wanted to go to the Lakers. But, you know, these two teams, there's so many storylines. They're so intertwined, and, and of course, you know, there's the just element of they play in the same arena, and um, you know, they, they their locker rooms are 20 feet away from each other, and it, it's just, you know, this has been going on for this has been building really since the mid 2000s, um, really since that 0506 season where they almost played each other, had the Lakers beating the Suns in the first round, yeah, and, and Tim has been building with. with Chris Paul and basketball reasons and all that stuff. So, the, you know, I've that to me has been the dominant storyline for the Clippers and the Lakers all year. Everyone wanted to see Battle LA. I think that's maybe the biggest thing we'll lose aside from a champion would be that potential series uh, if the season is canceled. But so my it was my number 2 just because I felt, you know, playing that game w- without Paul George um you, you know, the first game of You know, the the season, you just never know what's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes a team that's more motivated comes out and wins. And part of me wondered if that was going to be the Lakers because, you know, they they had that down year last year after kind of, you know, looked like they were maybe going to make the playoffs and and be a potential contender. And then LeBron goes down and then they missed the playoffs. And um, it it just felt like the Lakers actually might have been the hungrier team. And that wasn't the case. And, And, you know, a lot of the same. Um, trends that had kind of been happening of just the Clippers beating the Lakers over much of the last decade continued. And that to me was really significant. Um, It it was, you know, Kawhi to me was clearly the best player in that game, uh, just like he was on Christmas day. And that kind of showed like, Hey, you know, if these two teams play, like you guys have LeBron and, and you have AD, but we have Kawhi and, and, you know, we have Paul George and, You know, so from looking at it from the Clippers perspective like that, like it just felt like a significant moment of even without Paul George, we have the depth to beat you guys uh, at at basically full strength. So that was really significant for me. Um, My number four was destroying Houston on the road. So another recent one. Uh, Uh, But that. Yeah, so that, that was one for me where it was like. You know, similar to the Denver one, but even more impressive because it was in Houston. Houston was up 2 1 in the season series and really had a chance to be up 3 0. Because as we, you know, you mentioned earlier, they had the game in LA where where the Clippers came back. Um, And it was starting to look like, you know, is Houston a bad matchup for the Clippers? And, And statistically, P.J. Tucker has done the best job on Kawhi Leonard this season. And, you know, it was just kind of some questions of can they defend James Harden? You know, Russell Westbrook really started his streak of playing well against the Clippers in that game in L.A. where he dropped 40 Um, and that kind of jump started that you know second half surge he's been on. Uh, You know, Harden has been torching the Clippers all season. They haven't had an answer for him. And with Houston going full small ball, there's kind of this question of are the Clippers going to adjust and play their small ball? Are they going to play Marcus or Jermichael at the five? Like what's this going to look like? And the Clippers stayed big, and they absolutely destroyed them. Uh, You know, Zoo and Trez were were huge in that game. Just those roll guys as finishers, crashing the offensive glass, protecting the rim, rotating out to shooters, you know, making smart decisions of – of, you know, one to help, one to stay, one to rotate, just all those, you know, intricate, complicated things. Uh, I thought it, it really boded well for a, a potential playoff series between those two uh, teams. So for me, that was a significant moment of, again, just kind of another check mark of, hey, like, we're on a different level than this team. We're better than them, and we're going to embarrass them at home. Um, and, you know, that was another game. Houston was being booed by their home crowd, people leaving, in the third quarter, like it it was a really rough game for Houston. So um, I think that was just another kind of hallmark moment for the Clippers during the season.
1: Yeah. So I kind of cheated a little bit. Um, My second, my second best moment of the year were the victories against Denver, Philly, Houston, and Oklahoma city consecutively. So I lumped them all together just because I felt like that was an very important stretch that kind of like showed like hey the Clippers are starting to turn the corner and this 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 could be something special and we're starting to look like the team that everybody thought we were going to be um in in the offseason so like you you took a lot of you took a lot of the my words out of my mouth um I didn't even say that right but yeah, the Houston game was so impressive for me because I like to just if you could take anything away from a regular season game and see how it would play out in the playoffs, you could kind of see that Zubac made Zubak was that was probably his best game of the year, maybe statistically. Um, and he mm-hmm. kind of showed that he could stay on the floor against a team like Houston who had at the time recently made the transition to like super small ball and. They had a bad loss to um, New York prior to playing us, but aside from that, they had been rolling. And so, for us to go on the road against them and do what we did was like, I mean, that was incredibly impressive. It was a national TV game. Um, it was a, the season series was in a balance, so to speak. So, yeah, it was a statement game in in many in many ways that said that. You know, if you want to go small, we can go small, but we also have a guy in zoo who can play and he'll dominate if you play, if you stick midgets against them. So, um, yeah, I had that lumped into my second best moment of the year, man.
0: So my, my number three was, was the Boston game. We already talked about that. Uh, my number two was the Lakers opening night win. So that leaves me with one left. Uh, do you have any more left? Or have we touched? I had, them? I had number the number three. My number three okay. moment
1: was Paul George's debut.
0: Okay, that that was that that was. There were so many tough ones, like tough omissions for me. That that one almost made my honorable mention list. Um, but uh, yeah, here, here, talk about that one. Um,
1: it for one he played. He played really well for someone who Amazing. hadn't played basketball in that and for so long and was coming off two soldiers shoulder surgeries I think he had like thirty three or something like that he looked like he didn't miss a beat and it just kind of of what it signified you know what I mean just seeing him on the floor for the first time and kind of seeing what it looked like seeing him in a clipper uniform and then for him to perform the way he did is like oh that oh he's him like that's him you know so like. That moment was like, that moment was like, I'm biased with that one just because it meant so much to see him actually in a Clipper uniform and healthy and as if he hadn't missed the beat. So that was my number three. And we already went into my number two. And that leaves me with one. And I'm almost certain we have the
0: same number one. <laughs> the, the, the one we agree on, the most important one. Christmas Day, yes, sir. Yeah, that was
1: um, that was like, I mean, the build up to that was amazing. Just because I'm sure you recall, but it wasn't a it wasn't a for sure thing that all four superstars were going to play. And then we yeah. got word that both AD and Braun were going to play, and both Kawhi and PG were going to play. Both teams were fully healthy. Christmas Day, national TV. Um and and it was kind of a good game from a standpoint of the Clippers had to show some metal. Um, they got hit with kind of a haymaker in the first half and Kyle Kuzma went crazy and you know, that was one of Kawhi's best games of the year too. And they kinda had to show some metal in the fourth quarter to get back in it, and then you had the uh Patrick Beverly stop at the end and so like I mean, it goes without saying, but to guarantee a split in the season series against them meant a lot too. So yeah, I mean, that's obvious why we were going to go there for number one.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I think it, it was more impressive to me than the Christmas Day game, because I mean, than the opening night game, because I just felt, you know, that opening night game, it is opening night. Uh, you know, opening night to me is almost like, I was trying to say this earlier, it's almost like game one of a playoffs or just like the first game back after All-Star. Like, you just don't know what to expect. It's kind of a crapshoot like we've seen teams win opening n- nights that you know how many times do we see like a crappy team have like a blowout win on opening night you're like oh maybe this team's gonna be better this year and then they win 20 games like opening night it- it's one game it's you know it just kind of is what it is there- there's jitters there's sometimes guys aren't healthy whatever christmas day is you know the arguably the the biggest game of the season in, in the regular season um you know that that's the most eyeballs it's become this, you know, national kind of NBA holiday. Uh, you know, aside from I mean, it is a national holiday, but like it's it just become kind of this moment for the NBA. Like aside from All-Star Weekend and like the playoffs, like it's right up there with kind of the, the most eyeballs on the NBA. So I, I think with that kind of stakes and, and spotlight and it being a Lakers home game, uh, you know, the Lakers getting out to that really fast start and just looking almost invincible uh, and the Clippers kind of stopping and starting and, and sputtering a bit. And, you know, to me it was just important because it was like the validation of, okay, you won opening night, you know, whatever. Like that, that's cool. But like, you know, can you do it again? And they went out and did it again. And that that to me was a game they probably should have lost. Like they, they didn't play that well. They were down most of the game. Um, you know, I, I thought the late Lakers did a better job of, exploiting their size Paul George w- was terrible you know he was five of 18 uh, he, he got blocked at the rim I think four times that game uh, you know he, he just did not play that well and again Kawhi kind of put the team on his back you know went off really showed no one on the Lakers can check him one on one and you know th- that was a game the Lakers put Anthony Davis on him and like Anthony Davis probably did the best job anyone else did uh, but he you know Kawhi could still kind of dance with him on the perimeter. And create his own shot so I just thought overall that one considering the stakes considering uh, both teams being healthy it being a couple months into the season and and just kind of it being a a you know Christmas Day Lakers home game Lakers kind of have that chip on their shoulder of losing opening night and the Clippers still came in didn't even play that well and won the game that to me was just the icing on the cake, and probably the most impressive win overall of the season.
1: Yeah, uh, um, that that was without a doubt to me the most impressive win of the season. And more importantly, you kind of look at like say if we play them in a playoff series. Um, much was made about the Clippers' lack of size on down low, but you kind of saw the Lakers' lack of size on the perimeter in the throughout the first two games against the. Um, against the against us because you know they had no answer for Kawhi and that wasn't going to change come playoff time um and having to resort to anthony davis guarding Kawhi, um i don't know if that's ideal for them but um that kind of speaks volumes to the miss the, the potential issues that Kawhi and pg um show and You know, we didn't win the third game against them, but you kind of saw PG finally get loose against them. He had a really good game against the Lakers um, a a few weeks back. And that, to me, is where the the Clippers have an advantage against them, and it's on the perimeter size-wise. And that's what we have to take advantage of, and Kawhi did that Christmas Day. And there was so much hype going into Christmas Day. The Lakers really wanted to win that one. And to give them a home loss on Christmas Day, nothing better than that.
0: So, as I promised at the beginning of the pod, we were also going to do Kawhi's top five moments. There's a lot of overlap for me. Uh, like I said, three of the five overlap. So, you know, we've gone almost an hour here. Don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, but let, let's get into quickly the, the, the five Kawhi moments. Um, what was your number five? Uh,
1: I. If I'm not mistaken, I mentioned it, the 40-ball in Minnesota, the 42-point ball in Minnesota. Um, Like, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but that game started to to me. That was one of the first games where you kind of saw him um, feeling better and physically, and I I made a note earlier in the year that Kawhi was someone who was hurt in the finals last year. He didn't play any basketball in the summer, And so you kind of saw that rush throughout the early parts of the season, but he was working his way into the season. And that was one of the games where you're like, okay, he, that's still him. And he's like, and he's rounding into form. So that was my number five.
0: So we we don't have an overlap here, which is nice. Um, (laughs) I I didn't have that. I I considered it. um, I went with the 38 point performance against the Spurs on Halloween. Uh, That was a game that it was a close game. The Clippers were losing for a bit uh, of that game. And Kawhi actually started the game off really poorly. I I forgot his exact shooting in the first half, but it was something like, I want to say like 4-12, 4-13, like something pretty bad. And then he went off in that second half, uh, dropped 38, which I think was his, his third or fourth highest point total of the season. Uh, you know again it was against the Spurs so there's always a little bit more stakes there uh, but that to me because he, he had that stretch where he had this game he had the it was a home stretch where he had this he had the Portland game he had the Utah game where he was just kind of going off in the fourth and, and in the second half and, and really willing the Clippers to victories and hitting clutch shots and just really being automatic from the the mid-range as, as we've seen all year uh so this to me was kind of more symbolic of just that time where it, it was pre-pg uh and he was keeping them afloat you know w- winning games maybe they they shouldn't have uh but just kind of winning off of his offensive brilliance uh and, and then uh, again of course this one came against the spurs so it just kind of had a little extra meaning so that was my number five all right we're going to four yeah and four Four for me was
1: the nine-game stretch of thirty or more from January tenth to February first. I he went on like a scoring binge that was, you know, it was one of those things that kind of put him into the national spotlight. Um, I remember in particular, and this is this was actually I'm kind of spoiling my my number um, my number three moment, but. Um, It was it led into the New Orleans game on ABC where he had like thirty nine and that nine game stretch where he went for 30 or more kind of kind of put the league on notice that he's really rounding into form. And you're kind of starting to see the crystallized version of Kawhi with the Clippers. And and yeah, I was that was like that was number
0: that was number four for me. My number four was All Star Game MVP, uh, which I'm, I'm guessing you probably. Oh, I high. I I missed that. That was on my. That was one
1: of my Clipper best moments, actually. That I didn't even mention. <laughs> it was tied for me at number eight with like um, PG's Indiana Road one. But yeah, that was on my list, bro.
0: Yeah, and that um. You know, that that kind of spawned a a column from me, which I don't write a lot of columns, but I just felt it was an important moment for Kawhi of like, you know, there was so much talk all season about Giannis, about LeBron, and it it felt like, you know, on the biggest stage, he was the best player. And I got some pushback on it because, you know, he didn't really get the ball much or, or score much in that fourth quarter, you know, Elam ending um, you know, format, but it didn't really matter to me because you know, look, I mean, it's not he he can't really control if he's getting the ball or not. Um, you know, it, it did kind of become a lot of LeBron eighty pick and roll, and Kawhi was more of like a, a secondary kind of spot up threat. Uh, they did, you know, they were supposed to run the final play of the game, uh, for Kawhi as LeBron detailed. Uh, at at that one Lakers practice, but I I just felt, you know, through the first three quarters, he was the best player, uh, you know, clearly in in, in my opinion, Um, obviously, you know, people agreed because he got the all-star game MVP, but yeah, I I just felt again, like it was like another sign of, okay, like, yes, Giannis and LeBron have probably been the the two best players overall this season. Let's not forget about Kawhi And, and, you know, until he's dethroned, he's still the king of the NBA. He's still the reigning, you know, finals MVP, the reigning champion. And until Giannis or LeBron beats him, like he's still that dude. So uh, that to me was just kind of another feather in his cap uh, for the season and another reminder of like, you know, Kawhi is still in that conversation for best player in the league, if not the favorite, again, until he is dethroned. So uh, I just felt, there had been so much attention on Giannis and LeBron and and those two did have their moments in the all-star game, you know, defending each other and, and, you know, what have you, but I I just felt overall it was kind of appropriate that Kawhi ended up being the most notable player from that game and and winning all-star game MVP. Yeah. I,
1: I wanted to, I wanted to mention that earlier. Um, I feel stupid for not even mentioning that earlier, but, um, there was the First of all, that was an incredible All Star game to be had, and Kawhi winning the MVP and doing it the fashion that he did kind of showed that like he's he's still he's right there with Braun. He's right there with Giannis, and for the Clippers that that's just that's just another that's another notch in our belt.
0: And then quick quickly just to wrap up mine because these are the three that overlap. Uh, my top three in order uh number 3 was the christmas day performance uh number 2 was the opening night performance i thought that one was more impressive because that was no pg and number 1 was the performance in toronto uh only for him to just you know remain composed i mean you did see some emotion from him pregame when they they played the video and they had the tribute to him but uh i just thought a lot of guys would come out and force things and, and go, you know, try to go for 40, try to take a bunch of shots. Like Kawhi stayed himself. He, he was composed. He surgically picked apart the defense. He, he never forced things and he was just Kawhi. And I thought for him to handle that moment like that, uh, what, you know, would just kind of speaks to his steely resolve and, and, just kind of the way he's able to compartmentalize things and, and remain so stoic in, in the moment. So, those are my three. Those are obviously overlapped with my top 10 moments. Uh, But yeah, that's my, that's my five list. What was the rest of yours? Uh, We overlapped on that. Um, My number one moment was
1: Christmas day, his performance Christmas day. Um, My number two moment was his return to Toronto. And um, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, My number three moment was his 39 piece in new Orleans. Um, But just to get back to a little bit what you said about Kawhi and his return to Toronto, the thing I love the most about that is, as you as you said earlier, the the emotion in the game is incredibly loud, and it really it really gave a really a really nice glimpse into playoff context. And so for he and the Clippers to perform the way they did, that true that was. Truly, one of if not the best win of the season on the road in that environment. I loved it. All
0: right, man. Well, any, anything else we didn't hit on before we wrap up here? This wasn't
1: a actual game, but the dunks against Covington and um Daniel Daniel uh, Tice against in yeah. against Boston. I had those two as honorable mention moments just because, um, you know, you have the load management joint jokes, his knees are gone, this, that, and the third earlier in the season. And, you know, Kawhi quietly caught a lot of bodies this year. And so (laughs) those two dunks in particular were like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, so that was – those were – I had to get those into my honorable mention just because it was – it's always – it's really nice to see someone – who's like so deadly in the mid range still have that pop in his step and still proving that, you know, he's, he's healthy, which, which honestly, I guess that could be another honorable mention too, is that aside from the back-to-backs, Kawhi was incredibly healthy this year. And, you know, that was, that was, you know, a concern, a knock. And so for him to play that many games, relatively speaking, was something that I'll give a shout out to as well.
0: Yeah. You bring up a good point. Uh, When I originally thought of this and in, you know, hit you up about it. The, the Tice dunk especially was going to be one of mine. So, um, yeah, like that, that, that definitely is up there. Uh, again, I, I kind of stuck more with games, but I, I think that Tice moment was, was a very, I mean, that, that was probably the, the Clippers play of the season. Uh, if not for, you know, one of their multiple game winners, uh, that, that was a filthy dunk. And, uh, Tice is, you know, he's a solid defender, you know, solid rim protector. So um, him, him to do that, that that was impressive. Uh, but I appreciate it, man. Appreciate your time. Uh, we, we gave, we somehow turned this into a 70-minute pod. Uh, but I, I hope the people enjoy <laughs> it. I, I mean, look, we got nothing but time now. Uh, you got All nothing right. but time now. With, uh, We have no idea when basketball will be back. But I hope it's back at some point. Uh, Justin where can the people find you on social media Um, you can follow me at LA Clippers film
1: or you can follow me on my actual handle Justin Wilson underscore on Twitter and Instagram Um, and you know everybody out there stay safe Um, these are crazy times we're living in Um, but please stay home stay home if you don't need to be outside stay home And let's get through this together.
0: Yes, sir. Said it beautifully. Uh, As always, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. And just going to echo exactly what what Justin said. You know, stay safe, social distance, wash your hands. um, Keep in touch with people, you know, FaceTime, Zoom, text, uh, you know, DM, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you want to do. Uh, but re- reach out to someone that you haven't talked to in a bit. Uh, return people's texts and calls and, and messages. And, uh, yeah, just just stay safe. And we'll get through this, hopefully. Uh, and basketball will be back at some point. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice distraction from everyday life. But uh, there's some serious stuff going on. So, yeah, hope everyone's safe. And this was a nice kind of break from reality. Uh, So I will talk to you guys next week.